Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Pedra's Getting to Know You. Today, I am honored to be joined by Sheila Rittenberg. Sheila was Pedra's first executive director, joining Pedra in 2013, not too long after Pedra came into being. She helped shape and mold this organization until 2019 when she officially retired. And we are so grateful for her leadership, especially me personally, because I have Sheila to thank for welcoming me into this family. Sheila, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for pulling me into this interview series. (laughs) So I know you have a deeply personal story when it comes to childhood skin disease. Can you share that with our listeners? Sure. Um, Well, some of the community may know that as a child, um, I had pretty severe psoriasis. Um, It uh, localized, but then spread pretty energetically uh, throughout. Um, And, you know, this was at a time, of course, when there were very few treatments, very few options. Uh, Dermatologists were not, I think, as a rule, that well informed about the many iterations of psoriasis. Uh, My family used to take me to Florida to roast in the sun in the winters, because I lived in Canada, uh, to uh, as the sun cleared the, the psoriasis, that seemed to be a good idea. Maybe we look back on that now uh, with a little hesitation, uh, so much sun exposure. But, you know, because it was a time of little information, um, relatively little experience, both among patients and in the medical community, there was also a certain amount of shame. You know, this was something that didn't happen to everyone. And I was very young, four or five years old. And so from a little girl's perspective, it had to be something I was responsible for. So this this was something that, um, you know, worked its way into my soul uh, through my life and that I kind of came to terms with as a more understanding uh, adult. And I certainly don't feel that way now, and I haven't for many years, but I think it's somewhat uh, typical of the emotional burden that psoriasis can bring even today, Um, or for that matter, any uh, skin disease that distinguishes you and sets you apart from others. Yes. I can't. Yes. I mean, we hear that all the time from our patient advocates and from our investigators. Mm -hmm. So I really like the way you put how it just wove itself into the soul of your being. And I know that set you on a career path that brought you to Pedra eventually, but could you just sort of give us some highlights of your career path before you came to Pedra? Of course. Of course. Well, I did start in Canada and I had um, a couple of positions there. Um, one in kind of the nonprofit world uh, and one in the corporate world. And then I lived overseas for a while and did a bunch of things, found myself in Oregon. um, And eventually um, I worked in public broadcasting for Oregon Public Broadcasting, which was wonderful. Um, Left there and sort of had to find a new path in uh, 2000, 2001. 
by that time, I had a network of contacts of other professionals and consultants and so on. And a friend of mine referred me to the National Psoriasis Foundation. Uh, at the time, uh, the NPF was looking for a development director. I met with Gail Zimmerman, at the, who at the time was the CEO, and she was one of the founders of the NPF. And <clears throat> in talking, um, Gail was uh, fascinated by my experience at OPB as I worked with companies and foundations to underwrite the making of documentary films. And we sort of began brainstorming together about what that kind of position could look like at the MPF. And so Gail and others decided to hire me as uh, director of, I think it was industry relations, it might've been corporate relations. Um, and I did that for a couple of years at the MPF. And that was at just a fantastic time for patients. The first biologic was being approved for severe, moderate to severe psoriasis. Uh, there was a lot of new awakening and new awareness um, in, in the whole country, in the whole world, really, that as a patient organization, we could capitalize on. Um, after the two years, I felt a bit um, antsy because my early career was in community organizing and social planning and advocacy. So I again approached Gail to start an advocacy office, an advocacy department, uh, which really the MPF needed as a national patient organization. So uh, Gail agreed to move me over into that position and I directed the advocacy department for another two to three years. And um, of course, you know, my early experience with psoriasis helped me enormously. And um, I didn't really go around talking about it, but I certainly had um, an inside track with patients, so to speak. And I also loved building that advocacy department from scratch. Um, it's just kind of you know, who I am, I guess. I like to start new things that are concepts and put them on the map. I think that's very much represented in the work that you did for PEDRA. So now is a great time to transition to that. So how <laughs> did you get involved with PEDRA? I mean, it was so new. It was barely off the ground. Like, how did you come into the picture? Yes. Well, it was a lovely, um, a lovely meeting of minds. And I had been with the National Psoriasis Foundation for about four, four and a half years. And I left. And I had a, you know, a period of time of, of several or a few months where I was considering what I might do next. I decided to do some consulting in the interim. Um, and I reached out to uh, dermatologists and rheumatologists and uh, others in the medical community. I knew these people were involved in all sorts of projects um, and initiatives uh, that I could possibly help with. And I reached uh, Larry Eichenfeld, who himself has an honorable history with PEDRA. Yes. And um, he said, oh, Sheila, we need you. <laughs> and I said, great. Um, it took some time for Larry's group 
um, you know, the, the founding um, committee that had put together the concept of PEDRA to um, define what it is I could do with them and for them. And eventually I started a contract and just started some very basic organizational, um, putting some basic organizational pieces together. I mean, there was no infrastructure. Uh, this was um, a concept, an idea that had some flesh to it. Uh, the group had had a large planning day in 2000, at the end of 2012, um, so we had, of course, the notes from that and the dialogue and so on had been recorded um, of that planning day. And it was my job to kind of take that and operationalize it. You know, what does all that mean and what does it look like and how do we build it? And um, what are the um, ingredients here or the characteristics of a new organization that will make this successful? What are the pitfalls? You know, that kind of thing. Um, some of it was very basic and some of it was more complex um, because PEDRA could have become a number of different, it could have taken a number of different shapes mm -hmm. uh, and we had to proceed judiciously to really make sure we were representing the community, the gaps, uh, the goals of research uh, that were so desperately kind of laid out at, at the original planning session. What is it like to come to something that is a concept? And as you said, it's it had some meat on the bones, but what is that like for you to come into something like that? Well, as I mentioned, I, I like that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I, and mm -hmm. it's a challenge to me, but it's also exciting to me mm -hmm. to make something happen. I, mm -hmm. I guess that's kind of what I'm made of. You know, even in my early community organizing days, I took on, um, I took on initiatives out there in the community that hadn't been done before. So I guess that's just something I enjoy. Um, I, I was sort of, I grew up with an instinct, I think, um, and a set of principles to uh, make a difference in the world and to, to improve conditions for people, for the underdog. And I certainly felt getting into PEDRA as I had with the Psoriasis Foundation, but in this case, in terms of children with skin diseases, that they were definitely the underdog, misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Diseases were minimized in the general public, certainly, um, you know, press and, and public relations and news stories did not include anything about these uh, hardships that really change the trajectory of kids' lives, as mine did with me, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I remember that day that you and I talked for the first time about mm -hmm. Pedra, and I remember um, getting off the phone and, and telling my husband and saying, you know, I have no idea Mm -hmm. about, I've, I know nothing about pediatric dermatology, let alone research, but oh my gosh, if there isn't a need here. And I just remember there just sort of being this desperation around the research gaps and around the burden that the children were facing. And mm -hmm. 
And I, and I feel like that was the, the tug that I needed to come in. And then I just, I, you know, I try as Pedra might, maybe I'll never let go forever. (laughs) So, right. And, you know, not only were there gaps and, and unmet needs, Mm -hmm. but the only way to address those with any degree of effectiveness was through banding together. You know, that's the core of it. And you know that better than anyone. People, investigators, uh, practitioners had been out there on their own doing various projects for decades. I mean, it wasn't new to do research in pediatric dermatology, but um, patient numbers were small for uh, a variety of reasons. Um, People really couldn't amass what they needed to drive studies. Uh, They didn't have the resources and um, technical support on the back end to help Mm -hmm. analyze and and push forward uh, the results of the studies. You know, uh, we heard um, once from a speaker at a PEDRA annual conference that science unsaid is science undone. I forget the name of the speaker. So I apologize. Yeah, (laughs) Melissa Marshall. Yes. Um, so we've, we've given her the attribution, yes. but that, that's so, um, so profound. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the thing that really charged me. It mm-hmm. was a, the need to galvanize what was already going on out there mm-hmm. and to prove to others who maybe were tempted to stick a toe into research that they could, that there was an organization to get behind them and support them. Absolutely. I, you know, I'm so, I'm still so struck by the collaborative nature of our network in particular. And I remember thinking how, you know, siloed research can be and how protective authors are and, you know, rightly so, but in PEDRA, that's just not the case. And every time I go to a PEDRA conference, it's, oh, I have a patient that might be able to jump on this study. Great. Bring them in. Let's yeah. the more, the better, the more we can learn. And it's, it is so heartwarming to see not just the mission thriving, but the work thriving as well, I guess. Yes. Yes, exactly. Jen. And, um, you know, I also learned getting more and more into PEDRA about pediatric investigators. Uh, First of all, as I'd heard from others, the nicest people in the world, uh, or the nicest professionals in dermatology, (laughs) certainly. Uh, Secondly, the the people who are most generous with their time. Mm -hmm. um, I, of course, came to understand very quickly, I came to see that these these physicians were were doing the research work at 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know, in between whatever else. I mean, the dedication is palpable throughout PEDRA. And it was in the early days too. And frankly, I sort of fell in love with them all, you know, like it was like this little love affair. And (laughs) if I hadn't had enough motivation earlier on, I certainly did as I grew to know the members of PEDRA. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to stand up for them. And mm-hmm. um, I believed in the endpoints of mm-hmm. every study and the importance of those studies. 
Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, you know, help them get there. I really relate to that love affair comment. I remember being very nervous going into my first Peter conference after you had brought me on. Um, it was in Dallas in 2016 and I was nervous and I was, do I call them all doctors? So-and-so. And you said, no, they're <laughs> lovely. You're going to enjoy them. They're wonderful. And sure enough, I met everybody and it was like, I'd been there forever. And then the following year at the next conference, it was Jen and hugs. And I mean, just a warm group of people. And like you said, also dedicated. I mean, Pedra has really been built on our committees and our investigators who are working into the wee hours of the mornings on unprotected time. And I mean, I wonder when any of them sleep, because it seems as though most of them have young families as well. So it is an impressive level of dedication. Right. And, you know, in the early days, it was even more impressive because Mm -hmm. a lot of us didn't know what all this looked like. I mean, Mm -hmm. we were figuring it out to some extent as we went along. And, you know, the most important asset to any nonprofit organization that represents a cause is its reach and its members and its relevance Mm -hmm. to those members. Mm -hmm. So I believed um, as an early executive director of FIDRA in the the critical nature of volunteerism Mm -hmm. with FIDRA. Mm -hmm. Um, When Mike, replace me, he took that to a whole different level, which was fabulous. And he also began to include more than we had done patients mm-hmm. in that volunteer, uh, you know, kind of network of Pedra. So it continues to grow, you know, level to level, and it's exactly as it should be. But in the early days, you know, a, a part of my job certainly was really selling the idea of PEDRA to to physicians and researchers out there and getting them to engage, getting them to believe in us. Mm -hmm. Um, What was that like? I mean, did you have um, struggles with that or was it an easy sell? I mean, what were those conversations like? It was both, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes it depended on um, uh, the level of experience of the mm. person I was speaking to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some people are a little more jaded than others mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they've had disappointments or setbacks. Sure. Um, it, it was a, a concept that in some ways wasn't easy to relay until we had some proof of concept And we didn't in the beginning. So every little advancement was something I really showcased um, because people couldn't see it in Mm -hmm. front of them yet. And Mm -hmm. so the first time we formed a collaborative study or, or, you know, had a paper published or what have you, um, these were big milestones early on. Um, So it really depended. and, And I think there was some reluctance for volunteer investigators to mm-hmm. move into a leadership position themselves mm-hmm. uh, at that time. Yeah, I can um, imagine. You know, now there's a track record. There's many people who have led and they've kind of stepped away and uh, others have come in. And so, um, you know, I'm, 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 I feel proud. And I also feel proud of all of you uh, in terms of where, where and how you've been able to 
expand this on the map of, of research and medicine? Well, I mean, we certainly couldn't have done it without the foundation that you <laughs> laid. That's, that's for sure. And I do want to talk about um, the future in just a moment, but I want to go back to something you just said. Is there um, a particular time or study that you could sort of pinpoint that was like that, aha, this is our proof of concept. This is, we've landed. I know we're going to go somewhere now. Right. Oh boy. I think you're testing my senior. <laughs> putting you on the spot. I know. <laughs> um, well, if I could just adapt that question. Of a course. Little bit, I, th- I think the turning point was really the very first annual conference. Mm. Uh, and I don't, um, I mean, we were all there people were bringing in markers and writing up posters on the wall and announcements. And we were figuring out Wi-Fi and things like that. (laughs) Um, We had some fantastic people in the mix. Keith Choate uh, ran a a, a speed uh, dating, like speed networking session, which everybody loved. And I think what we established at that conference was um, broad team building, Mm -hmm. bonding, Mm -hmm. excitement, the sense that everyone was a colleague, wherever they were, Mm -hmm. in whatever institution, they were a colleague, they belonged to something. And that was very important in that first Uh, I think, I believe that first conference was at the end of 2013. Okay. Yeah, like that October, November Mm -hmm. of 2013. Um, So for me, that was a big turning point. I don't quite remember the specific studies that were coming together, but, you know, there were more and more of them uh, and everyone was very on board. As you look back over your time as executive director, um, what are some of the things you're proudest of? Ooh, um, well, I'm proud that we created an organization that that lived. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm proud of the the outreach and the buy-in and the financial support we were able to secure um, from the pharmaceutical community. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, th- that was critical. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, we would never have been able to raise enough dues or enough private contribution mm-hmm. to really move Pedra forward. Mm-hmm. So that was just critical. And, you know, it makes no sense to have an organization like Pedra without drug manufacturers engaged, right? Right. It just doesn't. We have to know how to engage them Mm -hmm. and how to make it a positive uh, win for all sides without crossing uh, limits. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I was proud that we were able to establish that with the companies at hand, such as they were um, at that time. <clears throat> I think um, the staff of Pedra, including you and uh, others that I was not responsible for, have been um, just the biggest positive influence for Pedra's growth. And I think I, you know, I helped set 
a standard and a set of expectations uh, for that staff and what we, what and how we were to work together that mm -hmm. I think made a difference. And um, underscoring there, uh, Mike, you know, he, he uh, was the perfect successor in, in my view and mm -hmm. had a skill set uh, that included some pieces that I didn't have and a vision that could um, utilize those skills to reach even bigger goals for Pedra. And I think we all see the results. When I think about the time that you and I were working together, I the things that come to mind are that foundation you laid with industry. Um, and you really instilled in me the value and importance of the patient voice and the work you did with the patient advocacy groups mm -hmm. um, has remained a steadfast pillar of PEDRA and has even grown. And I think that was so just innate to you and your background, both mm -hmm. personally and professionally. And that has just really carried through. And then that third piece I do think of is the volunteerism. And it's been so exciting for me to be able to bridge my experience with you as the first executive director and with Mike as the second executive director and just watch the, really the garden that you planted just continue to grow and flourish. Uh -huh. Yes, I, I, I agree with you. Um, and I think um, perhaps I, I left out a little bit of that, the, the patient organizations and how we brought them in. <clears throat> and there was so much to build on there. And that's what you guys have done and are doing, and it's essential. And it also opens up um, very important opportunities for grants and other, um, other advancements uh, that without patients in the picture, PEDRA would not be eligible for. Um, so it's a very important uh, meaning, and it's also an important strategy. Um, mm -hmm. And I think Absolutely. all these the heads of these patient groups uh, with whom I had worked over the years, both mm -hmm. at PFF and PEDRA, uh, you know, I think they saw that as well. And the excitement on their part to be shoulder to shoulder with researchers who might be able to find a thread of an answer for someone's child uh, or many children in their organizational framework, you know, mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was an exciting moment. For Pedra. And I remember the, you know, the, uh, the board and others were sort of like, wow, yeah, of course, we should have patients there. We, you know, mm -hmm. we hadn't, I mean, they're just scrambling to keep up with. Of course, absolutely. Everything. And uh, so it, it was, it was also an important turning point mm -hmm. for us, I think. Yeah, I think so too. So um, thinking about you know, your, your time at Pedro was so important and now you've passed the reins off to the very capable Mike Siegel. Mm -hmm. What are your hopes for Pedra as we go into our 10th year and on into the future? Well, um, more, you know, yes, more, more and better, uh, more studies, more collaboration, uh, research is tough. It's slow. Mm -hmm particular. Mm -hmm. um, so finding ways to overcome those barriers in, in a very practical method mm -hmm. so that more research can happen. Inevitably, with more research, 
um, we're going to be finding answers um, mm-hmm. just by virtue of how much activity is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen in PEDRA correspondence, of course, um, an emphasis on fellowships and that kind of thing. And I love that mm-hmm. uh, because there are just too many barriers for a young or an early career, I should say, mm-hmm. um, investigator mm-hmm. to really pour him or herself into uh, the research piece. Mm-hmm. So by having a paid fellowship, by having support, this is going to produce 10 or 12 or 20 or whatever numbers of early career people who um, are doing it. And to continue to build a diverse board mm-hmm. that really represents um a broad spectrum of both investigators and patients. Um, So, you know, those are some of my hopes. I think there are still some silent diseases. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, something like eczema has um, overcome that in spades in Mm -hmm. the last, I'd say, decade, maybe half a decade. Uh, We now have EB kind of more than emerging, uh, mm-hmm. but certainly Absolutely. a different voice of EB than there was when I first got involved. Um, and, you know, there are others that are just not known and not talked about. So what can we do to raise awareness, raise investment in those diseases? You know, maybe there's a new, um, a new entity uh, that brings together um, pharmaceutical investment in rare diseases mm-hmm. because it's hard for a, for a manufacturing company to put, you know, X dollars into Absolutely. one. Rare but there were companies when I was kind of leaving that were starting to get into more than one rare germ mm-hmm. disease. So how do you, right. how do you take advantage of that? You know, right. how do you partner with those companies so that the undersung uh, and unknown diseases are uh, making their appearance, just like psoriasis and eczema did years ago. And I know those are common diseases, but certainly the severe, moderate to severe forms are, are still not well understood. Right, yeah. So there's a lot of possibility. Yes, there <clears throat> certainly is. Um, I want to shift gears entirely now because we've talked so much about Petra, but let's just talk about you. I know that you love living in the Pacific Northwest because I know you are an avid outdoors person Mm -hmm. and I know you have a growing family, growing a number of grandkids, especially Uh recently. Uh So just, you know, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, let's give us some insight into Sheila. Sure. Well, thank you for that opportunity. Well, I think actually something that led to my retirement <clears throat> from Pedra was this longing uh, to focus on creativity. Mm-hmm. Now, I certainly had chances to be creative within Pedra. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to put aside all the organizational mm-hmm. aspects mm-hmm. and um, and really focus on creativity. Um, and fortunately, I, I was able to do that. So I had had an idea for a long time for a documentary film that uh, I'm now developing. I have a small team of a director and a producer and a social media person. 
Um, we're going, uh, you know, by the, what do they call it? The shoestring, <laughs> yes. you know, but <laughs> we're all very passionate about it. It's uh, the story in a nutshell is about an 80 year old woman who mm-hmm. from Bend, Oregon teaches the art of European baking Wow! in the process really changes people's lives. She helps wow. them change lanes in life. And people come to her from all over the world to study in kind of an artisan, old-fashioned kind of setting, one-on-one. And it's pretty transformational. And we have one story in particular that we're focusing on in the film. So we're in development. We're in fundraising, if anyone's interested. (laughs) And and then uh, my other passion has been creative writing. And I took a number of workshops over this last couple of years and a few months ago applied to a year-long master writing program and I was accepted. So now I'm producing 20 pages a month um, of what may be a book, I don't know, uh, but it's a pretty pretty wild process and I I love it. Um, So I'm very happy. I'm very fulfilled because of my family. Um, uh, My husband is the dearest man and my grandchildren are um, just beautiful people, beautiful kids. And we just had our fourth uh, grandchild, the first daughter uh, born to my stepson and his wife um, just a couple of weeks ago. So, and we have this wonderful dog, as you know, and I waited until Dan and I, my husband and I waited until we were uh, freed up to, uh, to get a dog because, you know, we wanted to be able to pay attention to it. Yeah. So um, our dog, Ren and I are out on the trails all the time um, on the river uh, in the winters, uh, cross-country skiing, and um, it's fabulous, you know, it's just so much fun. So, you know, apart from, I guess, bigger troubles of the world and the nation, yeah. uh, which I try to, uh, I try to do what I can for, um, I'm, I'm in a very nice little bubble right now. Mm-hmm. As you should be enjoying your grandchildren and your dog and your creative writing. I mean, it's so it's so exciting for me to be able to see how an organization like Pedra in its infancy is perfect for somebody who as is as creative as you are, and then to grow that and mold it and then leave when it felt right, and then to have this opportunity to really focus and dive in on the creative side of yourself that you can really nurture at this time in your life. That's so exciting. Yeah, it is. And it's privileged, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and I I understand that and I acknowledge it every day that Mm -hmm. I'm able to do this with our, our circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I just feel like I'm growing and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people in, in my um, decade uh, don't, you know, they've run out of steam and they they haven't really found their next passion or they don't feel like they're able to pursue right, right. their next passion. So I, I do feel really fine and lucky and um, and happy about all of that. And uh, 
it's good, you know, it's good being at this stage of life and feeling this way versus a whole set of regrets or um, frustrations, uh, you know, and, and we're healthy too, mm -hmm. which makes a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Sheila, I am so honored to have <laughs> been able to have this conversation with you. It You're was making me tear up. <laughs> well, and you as well. I mean, just talking about this history that you've had with Pedra and then my small chunk of that time with you and I just, I just feel so, so lucky that our well, paths we're crossed. Lucky to have you, Jen. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining me today on getting to know you, Sheila. It has been such an honor. And for me too. Thank you. Take care and keep it all going. Thank you so much to Sheila Rittenberg for everything she's done for Pedra as its executive director for uh, sitting down and visiting with me today. This was an absolute delight. Uh, please follow Pedra on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn for more of these getting to know you videos and other educational content. And be sure to keep engaged with us as we approach our 10th birthday in 2022. We'll have more opportunities to celebrate and we hope you'll celebrate with us. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.